Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to a very angry episode of On the Fin Side here with Brian Cat, Captain Zero, and Paul Pick. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and a lot of other different places around the internet. Or you can tweet anything that you're mad about to FinSideQ, F-I-N-S-I-D-E-Q, with the hashtag before that. Paul, 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 here we are. Miami Dolphins sitting here at one in three after having lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Before we get into our quarterly grades for the Miami Dolphins, prediction, they're not going to be good. Paul, your thoughts on the Bengals game? Well, it was all sunshine and roses. I mean, it was great the whole game. <laughs> I, mean, I saw, that long, saw that long pass to Kenny Stills, shut the TV off. Dolphins are up. Yeah, we're good to go. Um, now, nah, it was... I said last week I kind of expected the game to be that darkest before the dawn game, the one where they really crashed a little bit in hopes of finally getting it. I hope that was the case because they sure as hell crashed like a goddamn meteor. They looked bad overall. I mean, there were some bright and shiny notes in there, but there are some big holes on this team that need to be filled and somebody needs to step up. Hopefully getting our offensive line piece together a little bit better again will help coming up, but there were some issues. There are some issues. The offensive line with Mike Pouncey, Anthony Steen, and Brandon Alpert being out had a lot to do with that. But when you're missing a couple offensive linemen, you can't have five first downs in the middle of the fourth quarter. I mean, it was embarrassing. And yeah, not only did the Dolphins punish you, they 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 look you right in the eye when they twist the knife. Uh, first offensive drive of the game, Dolphins come out five wide. Kenny, or, or excuse me, Jarvis Landry catches a seven yard pass. Then next play, Tannehill pump fakes, goes all the way downfield. Kenny still 74-yard touchdown. Dolphins then force force a punt on their next uh, defensive drive, and suddenly the Dolphins have the ball back in good field position, up 7-3 to three with the ball and getting the ball at halftime, too. I'm thinking, okay, at least this is if for nothing else, this is going to end up being a good game for the Dolphins. Didn't happen. Uh, the rest of the game was completely inept on offense. Defensively, didn't make a whole lot of sense either. Even with the good run defense from the Miami Dolphins, I- I'm blown away how this team cannot understand. With Vance Joseph, former Bengals coach, uh, defensive backs coach, as their defensive coordinator, he sees A.J. Green last year in practice every single day. Doesn't know that that's the guy that you take out of the game. Our at least do your best to take out of the game. A.J. Green has eight catches for over 120 yards uh, at the beginning of the second quarter. I mean, here's here's what a Bill Belichick does, or, or even in a competent, a competent defensive coordinator. You put two or three guys in A.J. Green, and you say, okay, if you want to win this game, you're going to have to beat us with Tyler Boyd and with C.J. Azuma and with Giovanni Bernard, but you're not going to do it with A.J. Green. It, it, look, it looks very Kevin Coyle-like to me at this point, Paul. Which is funny considering Kevin Coyle was the guy coaching the other team's defense backs. And, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there are some issues where the defense is not being put in position to succeed even still. 
go. I mean, I get it the first game or two. They're learning a new system. He's, he wants to be safe, blah, 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 blah. But at this point, you have to be able to look back at the game film. You know the other teams are and go, okay, we're keeping our guys 15 yards off the ball against crappy receivers, and now we're going to keep them 15 yards off the ball and one-on-one with A.J. Green. And, oh, yeah, we took Byron Maxwell out. We're starting Tony Lippett. We're going to leave him out there on an island by himself with A.J. Green. That should be good. Uh, I mean, I, I see the logic there, don't you? Yeah, I mean, how, how dumb you are for not being able to know to cover A.J. Green. I mean, uh, you, you look at the two games before that, Paul, A.J. Green had 115 yards over the previous two games. Why? Because smart defenses said, you know what, A.J. Green, we got to stop that guy first and foremost. So, I'm, I'm sorry, but a quarter, four games into the season, there's a, not a, lot, a lot to get excited about at this point. The good news is the Dolphins' first four games overall have been brutal. At Cincinnati, at Seattle, at New England. That's no excuse for the poor play and and they're going to be reflected in the poor grades that we give them. But now, at least moving forward, the schedule starts to get a little bit lighter. You've got Tennessee at home this week, then Pittsburgh at home, which is going to be obviously a tough game. Then you've got big games at home against the Bengals, or excuse me, the Bills and Jets. Then you play at San Diego, at L.A., and then San Francisco at home. You're probably going to, you might be favored in four or five of those seven games. So at least there's is hopefully some light at the end of the tunnel. That bye week really can't come quickly enough. So, Paul, let's get into our grades here for the Dolphins in the first quarter of the season. Obviously the most polarizing one, and all eyes were on the guy heading into the season, the quarterback position with Ryan Tannehill. For me, and this may excite some people, it may upset some people, don't really care, it's looking at it objectively. I'm going to give Tannehill a B at this point. I mean, you've got a lot of receivers putting up a lot of numbers. That's not all them. He's been putting the ball in some good places most of the time. He has made some mistakes. You know, he's definitely not getting an A out of me. But he's fifth or sixth through four weeks of the season um, in franchise history in a number of categories right now. Completion percentage, total number of yards through four weeks, a couple of others. He's, I think, 60 yards short of Bob Greasy for the all-time rushing leader in franchise history. He, he's excelled at the read option. He's taking a little more command of the offense, even though they're struggling at times. So he's growing into his role. And for me, that he definitely deserves to be. He's obviously, of all the quarterbacks that have been on the roster this year, the best and, and most desirable hope that we have. So we've got to throw our weight behind it. But he's a B thus far, and he's got room to improve there. That's a, in my eyes, a very optimistic way to look at Ryan Tannehill. I think, to me, he has been a monumental disappointment this year uh, in a lot of different areas. I'm going to give him a C, and I, I can't go any higher than that. Uh, I have a few facts here to back up my, my theory. Yes, on the year, he has over a 1,000 passing yards. So he's on pace for what? 4,300 yards and 24 touchdowns this year. That, that's all well and good. But there are a few metrics I had at the beginning of the year that I want to measure Tannehill on. And, and, and four stick out. Points per game, yards per game, turnovers, and third down, third down percentage. In 2015, points per game, the Dolphins were 27th. So far, after four games, they're 28th. Yards per game, they were 26th last year, the 26th this year. Turnover differential, they were 18th in turnover differential last year. After four games, they're 29th. Third down completion percentage, they were 26th last year at 31%. I thought there's no way that could get worse. It has. After 
four games now, they are dead last in the NFL in third down completion percentage. And they, we saw that in the Bengals game, too. You've got this 11-12 play drive by the Bengals. Then the offense get, gets back on the field and it's three and out. Then another seven or eight plays by the Bengals. Dolphins go three and out. We see this too often during the year. Uh, I, I've just seen, especially in the first four games of the year, Ryan Tannehill continuing to just sleepwalk with the offense through the through two or three quarters of the game. Against the Patriots, they were garbage in the first half until the game was out of hand. With the Browns uh, in the fourth quarter, when Adam Gase gives the ball to Tannehill, puts the ball in his hands, and says do something with it, they go three and out, three and out, punt, three and out, and then they finally go and win the game. And then against the Bengals, it was an absolute joke after Kenny Stills catches that touchdown pass. Tannehill goes 13 for 23 for 103 yards and two turnovers after that. It's not good enough for me anymore. And In the fifth year, I expect Ryan Tannehill to do what I see some of these quarterbacks in the NFL do. Like, like in the Saints-Chargers game, you have two quarterbacks that are taking the team on their back, putting 30 points on the board. They're not going down with the ship, Paul. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to disagree on Tannehill because right now I'm pretty pissed off at him. I'm, I'm going to throw in a little bit on that because some, some of those stats that, that you put out there, they are good stats and they're definitely team-defining stats. But, like, I look at the third down percentage piece and the number of times that they've called some stupid bonehead running play on third down that takes a while to develop and allows that defense to get penetration. I can't put that on his grade. The number of times that you look at the pass of Devontae Parker that ended that Patriots game where he put the ball in that back corner end zone for his jump ball guy who's supposed to go get it, and Devontae Parker starts to stop and twist and turn each way completely misreading the ball as soon as he crosses the goal line. You look at, I think there's two or three plays where he's hit Jordan Cameron in the hands on third down. You, we all know where that typically ends up uh, with a ball hitting the turf somewhere. You look at that Kenny Stills bomb in the first week, and this very easily is in position where it could go the other direction. I'm not going to look at the Cincy game because, yeah, there were some colossal screw-ups in a number of areas in that game, and he was one of them. Um, but but for me, that, that's that's kind of where I come to that B rating is you take some of the team metrics out of it. And, and he's been better than all right. Um, he's not a superstar by any means. He's not putting up Pro Bowl caliber right now. But a B isn't a Pro Bowl guy. Um, he needs to get better. I will agree with you on that. But he's got the potential to move there, and I think he's moving in the right direction. I, I think he's moving in the opposite direction. Uh, I, I have a, and I'll tell you what too. My big thing with him is, hey, he, you need to be protected. He's a quarterback that needs to be protected more than other people. Again, in the Bengals game, he definitely, definitely wasn't. In the in the Browns and the Patriots game, he definitely was. And and for the most part, he failed to seize that opportunity uh, un, un, until the end of the Browns game. We're going to move on to the other spots. Uh, the running back position, Paul, it's been to say it's been a to say it's been a rotation would be a, a monumental understatement. What do you make so far of the running back spot this year? Can, can we give them an incomplete? Because it kind of feels like no. that's what it no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it does. It feels a little like they need an incomplete. They've shown up phenomenally at times, uh, various running backs throughout the rotation, whether it's Jay Ajayi's game-winning run at the end of the Browns game, whether it's Kenyon Drake's first touchdown, whether it's 
Arian Foster, who looked decent in the first week, and looked like crap before he got hurt in week two. Isaiah Pete hasn't really gotten rolling yet. Um, Damian Williams has been a little bit of a breath of fresh air for me because he's a guy that I didn't even expect to make the roster. But when he's gotten his opportunities, has looked quicker and more decisive than I've ever seen him look in the past. So they've got a little bit of a glut at the running back position. It's a little bit of confusion at this point. They need to whittle that platoon down a bit, which is unfortunate because there are ways to apply each and every one of those runners, and it's only going to get murkier when Arian Foster comes back. But for me right now, it's a C-. They, they've had several opportunities to convert third downs, like we were just saying, and haven't been able to make it happen. They've been a big part of where I see Miami not being able to get off the field or stay on the field uh, in a lot of situations, and they haven't really been able to drive home anywhere where they need to eat clock as well. So for me, it's a C minus, but there's a lot of room for improvement if they're able to figure out a better way to apply these running backs. I'm going to go with a C plus. And the only reason for that is, is when I tally up all the different, I mean, all the running backs together, they're averaging just a shade over four yards of carry. And they've shown spurts at times. Uh, Jay Ajayi, I think of the Bengals game, I really wish they had continued to go to him more because he was having a really good game. Why why you run the ball only 12 times in the game makes no sense to me. The play calling was bad in that game, too. Kenyon Drake, it's taken him too long to get on, on the field. Uh, Arian Foster is a walking injury, and Kenyon Drake, or, and excuse me, Isaiah P. to this point, hasn't shown what he has in preseason. So I, I agree with you. I do hope they whittle that down. I'm going to give them a C plus. Uh, the receiving position, yeah, um, I'll take this one first. Uh, let's let's count the, the wide receivers and tight ends together in this in this grouping. I, I'm going to go with a B. I, I'm not going to go any higher simply because in two of the four football games this year, I, I thought the Dolphins struggled badly at the receiver spot uh, to separate against the Seahawks and against the Bengals. And, and against the Seahawks, you score 10 points. Against the Bengals, you, you score seven. Jarvis Landry on the season, uh, 31 catches, 391 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Stills has gotten deep several times, but only has nine catches. Devontae Parker, I'm still waiting for him to get back into full health. Uh, the bye week and week eight is, is definitely going to help him out. Uh, hopefully he gets a lot healthier on this extended week before we play the, the Tennessee Titans. Um, at, at the tight end spot, Jordan Cameron's been been bad. And then finally, when he starts to get to the point where he's putting up some numbers like he did in the in the Cleveland game, or excuse me, in the New England game where he had four catches for 49 yards, then he gets a concussion the next game. Deion Sims, I thought he was starting to show something, but didn't really show up that much in the, this past game. So uh, I'm going to stick with the B for the receiving spot, Paul. Yeah, I... I almost hate that we have the tight ends and wide receivers together at this point because other than that splurt of a performance from Cameron and Sims, the tight end position has been atrocious. I mean, um, and the wide receiver position, I think, overall this season has been pretty damn good. I'd love to see Leontay Carew and Jakeem Grant get into that mix. But really, I mean, you look at Kenny Stills, I know at least at one point yesterday, I don't know if it's still the case, um, I saw a stat line from, I believe it was Rand Gatlin, where of wide receivers targeted 20-plus times, Kenny Stills leads the league in yards per catch um, with 22.8. And I can only imagine what that would be if he had caught that one against Seattle early on. Jarvis Landry broke his own franchise record for catches through the first quarter of the season with 31. Previously, it was 28, set by him last year. 
Um, so he's continuing to improve. And Devontae Parker, I think each week has shown a little bit more growth towards being that receiver we all hope and want him to be. So, I mean, for me, it's tough because that tight end position is, is just dragging down the wide receiver position like an anchor. And, and let's face it, the tight ends can get open underneath or down the seam or anywhere on the field and actually catch the ball. That would alleviate some of the coverage that's out on those wide receivers and force them to be a little bit better. It would force the linebackers to pay more attention to those tight ends and potentially not be throwing a little bit more exotic stunts because they can risk it a little bit more because they don't have to cover those tight ends. Giving Tanner more time great. and more success. For me, I'm, I'm going to go with a B for these guys, although I think the wide receivers themselves are, are well above it. All right, offensive line. Uh a unit that looked very, very good at the beginning of the year. Obviously, injuries to Mike Pouncey, Anthony Steen, Brandon Albert made this position a train wreck in the Bengals game. Juwan James continues to get worse every time he steps on the field. Uh, he, you know, hopefully this can be a Laramie Tunzel can return back to left guard, even though he did play pretty well at left tackle against the Bengals. Brandon Albert back at left tackle. Mike Pouncey at center and Anthony Steen coming back. Hopefully they get that right guard for position figured out too so paul how would you grade the offensive line so far well i'll start out with my grade on this one for me there's a, a c c plus area and only because they've had to patchwork it through a lot of injuries and, and still performed pretty damn well in a lot of games i mean juan james the man needs to sit a lot longer than than in overtime at this point uh, he's been absolutely atrocious. I understand that he was the best option to put out there in this past week's game. But for uh, I think Billy Turner needs to take over that right tackle position. And people will look back at the Cincinnati game and they'll be like, oh, well, Turner doesn't pass block any better than, than Juwan James. Look at him get beat when he's, he's in, in the phone booth there, that guard. But I'd argue that he almost seems to depend on the players to either side of him too much when he's on the interior of the line, as opposed to being out on that island to tackle, where he, he gets a little more aggressive and, and realizes that he's got to get this guy. I wouldn't judge him a tackle based on how he plays a guard and vice versa. And he's far and away the better run blocker. I think Miami does need to give Anthony Steen a good long look-see at guard here in place of possibly Jermon Bushrod because he has been a phenomenal revelation at this point. The only other option I would see there, because you need to get him on the field, is potentially looking at trading Pouncey, which sounds ludicrous. And I do like Mike Pouncey, but he is an aging center with a chronic hip injury. He misses a he, few games. Right, and I would say that I, I'd say that's also the reason why nobody's going to trade for him. But after the season now, maybe the Dolphins, uh, I'd be surprised if they don't move on from him. In fact, they need to move on from a lot of players. Uh, this is a bloated, overpaid veteran roster, and you can thank Mike Tannenbaum for that. Um, I, I mean, not just him, but you look at Mario Williams and, and Cameron Wake, uh, Byron Maxwell, Jordan Cameron. I mean, this is, that is a lot of money being played to paid to players that are just not performing at this point. And I agree with you. I agree with you too, Paul. When you look at the offensive line, if the Dolphins are going to put their best five players on the field, Anthony Steen and Mike Pouncey have to be two of them. I don't care if you have Pouncey at center and Steen at guard or vice, vice versa. Overall for the year, uh, you give them a C or a C plus. I'm going to go with a B for them. Uh, I think this, this, the pass protection would be much better if we had a quarterback who could step up in the pocket, had the fundamentals and the balls to step up in the pocket. 
pocket, which we don't, unfortunately. Uh, looking at the offensive line, I, I think other than the second quarter of the Bengals game, I don't have a, too big of a complaint with them. I, I'll go a step further. In the Patriots game and in the Browns game, other than Juwan James in the Browns game, I thought they played did a phenomenal job in pass protection. So I'm giving them a B. And when you look at the run blocking, over four yards of carry, even though the run blocking hasn't been phenomenal or the running backs either. Uh, Paul, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Defensive line was really supposed to be the bread and butter of the Miami Dolphins. Not only defense, but the roster. Mario Williams, Cameron Wake, and Dominican Sue being the real breadwinners there. Uh, how do you grade this unit so far? Well, I have to look at it from the perspective of the fact that they moved to that wide nine, which essentially has these guys with a little bit less run responsibility and a little more pass rush responsibility and a little more spread the line on responsibility. Um, the run responsibility really falls on the linebackers in that wide time scheme. So I look at what they've been doing. They've put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks when they're not in some form of a mystery rotation, which we've touched on at like Chris Jones should never be on the field. But anyway, <laughs> I think they, they deserve a B plus at this point. Despite Terrence Fidesz's egregious penalty in this last game that probably served as the nail in the coffin turning point of that Bengals game, if I had to point to a single moment. Yeah, the defensive line, you know, if, if we're going to match salaries with production, maybe you can say they haven't performed as well. But overall, they're, they're not the problem at all to me. I'm, I'm going to give them a B. And Dominican Sue, I think, has been phenomenal since he's come to Miami. The people that think he's a big bust or a big disappointment just don't understand uh, what type of player we were getting when we got in Dominican Sue. Has two and a half sacks so far this year. Uh, and to me, you look at the Bengals game, he destroyed the interior of that line, but it's not noticed because the Dolphins are trailing the whole game. Uh, Cameron Wake, it's absolutely mind-blowing how you have a general manager in Mike Tannenbaum who believes he's worth $9 million a year and a head coach in Adam Gase and a defensive coordinator in Vance Joseph who thinks that this guy should be on the field between 15 and 20 snaps a game, which we've seen in two of the last three football games. And when you look at the, the, the run defense, you can yeah, you can point to the to the Dolphins' uh, defensive line for that, but to me, that's more on the linebacker core for for those games against the Patriots and the Browns, where they were just gashed up the middle. So overall, in fairness to them taking salaries out of the equation, I'm going to give them a B. Paul, let's move on to that dreaded linebacker position that that seems to have have harmed the Dolphins over the last four games. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to take this first. The key, you know. First of all, Jelani Jenkins has been absolutely atrocious, but even though he's been atrocious, uh, he, he has been hurt this year, too. Um, then again, he was hurt the last six games of last year, too. Maybe this is a guy who just can't stay healthy. Same goes for Koamisi. Missed this past game. Didn't finish uh, the one before that. Same thing happened last year. Kiko Alonso, very simply, he has been terrible in two games, and he's been, to me, fantastic in two games against the Seahawks and against the Bengals. He played great football against the Patriots and against the Browns. He did not play well. So I'm really in the middle at this point on him, but what I'm not in the middle in on is, is the linebackers unit in general so far this season. Uh, I think they've been pretty bad. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them a, a D plus. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with a, a C minus here. Like you said, Kiko's been phenomenal in two games, not so phenomenal in two others. And, They've really had the piecemeal based upon injuries, which I know we both said at length in the preseason, the biggest worry with the linebacking core was their 
injury history was the fact that they're not able to finish games. I mean, Colt Meese in that first week looked like the best I've ever seen from him. Barely sniffed the field healthy in week two, and then got injured in week three um, very early on. So it's it's a tough call with him. And Jelani Jenkins, yeah, he was coming off knee surgery uh, about two weeks before the season started. Hasn't looked like the same player we've seen. Um, hopefully he finds that. Neville Hewitt's looked very good in limited action. And Donald Butler's Feaster Famine, um, mostly Famine, while Spencer Paysinger's just okay, but we all knew that was the case. So for me, I'm going to go with the state. Yeah, Donald Butler's one to keep an eye on. I thought he was lost in the first game, played pretty well against the Bengals, and has had a history of success in the league too. Um, the defensive backs, Paul, this is obviously the most uh, – Biggest concern for us heading into the season on defense. Uh, you had Byron Maxwell and Xavier Howard at the cornerback spot. Since then, Maxwell has been benched in favor of Tony Lippett, uh, which is alarming on a lot of different levels. And then at safety, you have IAQ, Issa Abdul-Kudis, and Rashad Jones at that safety spot. How do you grade out the defensive backs? Safety? Safety. Man, Rashad Jones is playing the best safety of his career. So he, he definitely buoys that rank a little bit. The corner position has not been great, but keeping them that far off the ball doesn't put them in position to succeed either. By my understanding, both Xavier Howard and Byron Maxwell play exceedingly well in bump and run, and they're 15 yards off the ball. So, you know, that's just stupid coaching on Vance Joseph's part. I actually like the play I've seen of Bobby McCain and IAQ's been one of the, another of those feast or famine players thus far. So for me, I still think they've been a big factor in costing this team games, even though Miami's put up a pretty decent third down percentage um, on defense anyway. And and I'd have to really go with probably a C minus at this point for the defensive backs, uh, mostly buoyed by Rashad Jones. I'm I'm good with a C minus too. That's what grade I had. For a lot of reasons, you said um, Byron Maxwell, even with him playing off the football, uh, the fact that he was benched for Tony Lippett, which is bad enough in itself, but then he didn't even see a snap against the Bengals. So you know that this is something a little bit more than just a demotion. Uh, If he's not on the field period and he's active, there had to have been something that went on during the week. Um, and, And that's troubling, especially for a guy that you're expecting to pay you know, what, $17 million over the next two years? Uh, he was bad in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I had some hopes for him coming into Miami. He's not getting it done here. But, again, with the Mike Tannenbaum roster, this is what happens when your roster is made up of reclamation projects, overpaid veterans, and you're constantly trading draft picks away. Uh, to me, uh, th- this is a manifestation of a Mike Tannenbaum bad football roster. Hopefully the Dolphins do turn that around. I'm going to give them a C-. minus. Paul, finally, uh, when it comes to special teams, Terrence Fiday made his play against the Bengals where he takes poor little Kevin Huber, the punter, and just shoves him over. Uh, may have taken this grade down uh, half a grade for me. But overall, looking at this, Andrew Franks, again, we know nothing about because he never has any clutch kicks that he's in position for. Um, he does fine. He puts the ball out of the back of the end zone. Matt Dar has been phenomenal, probably the MVP of the team. The, the returners have been fine, and I think the, the special teams coverage units overall have been good, too. I'm going to give this unit a B plus, which is not a surprise, but sadly our highest, my highest grade on this team. For me, I'm going to go with a B the special teams unit, um, like you said, not, I mean, for most of it, return game's been fine, coverage unit's been fine, Andrew Franks has been fine, nothing super special. 
But Matt Dar really has been absolutely lights out this year. He puts almost every ball inside the 20. Very negligible amount of returns because he gets the right amount of height on the ball or kicks it out of bounds. And He's an absolute joy to watch a punter, which you never say. But Miami's been lucky that for whatever reason, the past few punters that they've had have all been phenomenal, which is which is great. But Matt Dar definitely has buoyed this grade quite a bit. I was hoping we'd have a lot more to say about Jakeem Grant, Jarvis Landry, and Kenyon Drake in the return game thus far. But it's just been okay from, from that perspective. So, Paul, we've got, we're only a quarter of the way through the year. We have 12 more games left. So, in your opinion, what needs to happen for the Dolphins to turn this around here in the final 12 games? Well, they need to get the offensive line settled. They need to really settle in and keep those guys healthy. Need to improve at the corner position in the linebacking core and really whittle down that that running back by committee approach. Still keep the committee, but just minimize it a little bit more, whichever way they need to go on that. Those are some of the biggest things, as well as see Tannehill get a little bit more comfortable in this offense and continue to show growth overall this season i'm willing to give ryan Tannehill till the end of the year that that's for sure and if i see a better player in the final 12 games then i'll chalk it up to hey he wasn't as familiar with the offense but overall yeah you're right when it comes to to the team in general ryan Tannehill has to uh be well protected and part of that is getting mike pouncey getting brandon albert and getting anthony steen back those, those to me should be three or five starters on your offensive line and also getting Devonte parker finally playing at full speed and familiar and comfortable with ryan Tannehill because you've got to throw the ball down the field to this kid it opens up so many possibilities if you have a healthy Devonte parker and a healthy kenny stills on the outside and you have Jarvis Landry in the slot, and you get that offensive line back, hopefully it makes a big difference. That's, that's the Dolphins' only hope. And on defense, please, for Christ's sake, keep Cameron Wake on the field for at least 30 or 35 snaps a game. Paul, they'll do it for us here on this quarterly review of the Miami Dolphins. And in the words of Brian Miller, if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. side It ain't the left side, side. Or the right, right side. side And it must be the fin side Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop, or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fins radio, live and direct Win or lose, we showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar Every week they coming through our speakers to fulfill the Crave we have to hear about our team and all the latest news Vets the rookies trying to make the team paying dues Current players and alumni interviews City to city, state to state, follow the moves Dolphins talk set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe Fin It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fin side
being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.